Blog Talk Radio. It's May 17, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show. It's May 17, 2020. We're having some technical difficulties. I'm not sure if you can hear me. If you can, please post to my private message. Let's see if you can hear us now. We had some trouble with Blog Talk Radio. Okay. All right. So it's May 17, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, likely a guest, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members or the community in the interest of the membership or the community and it's about them. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Follow us on Twitter also. Okay. Um, wow. Over here so I can see who's here. Oh, lots of folks. Welcome, people. Um, as the... Uh, Coronavirus ravages our world. Many tens of thousands have lost their lives. We're nearing 100,000 here in the United States. Uh, and that includes far too many of our own UAW family. And while this is far from over, notwithstanding that we're going to begin to open facilities in the Detroit 3 and other manufacturing facilities as well, uh, again, it's far from over. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the families, friends, and co-workers, all persons this terrible virus has claimed, and may each and every one please let us observe a moment of silence as we, we revere and remember all those who have perished, especially our own fallen UAW members. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, we apologize for that uh, little disruption that we had at the beginning. I'm not sure what happened. They had a little uh, hiccup, sent me into the switchboard and then out as quick as I was there. So you probably heard a pretty rough start here today. Uh, had to do with the uh, the host that we we uh, get our show from. So it's uh, not. Uh, you know, anything that uh, we had any control over. And we apologize for it, though. Okay. Let me bring on Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Well, decent, I guess. <laughs> um, we, uh, we've been having, you know, just, you know, a lot of uh, uh, people really upset. Uh, people have adjusted the way they live. Um, they're concerned, they're nervous, they're worried, 
some are ready to go back to work and look forward to it, and, and uh, you know, that's fine as well. Please be careful and, and respect everybody else, though. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we wish everybody to, to uh, stay safe. We'll have a lot more on that as the show goes on. Uh, my week has been pretty busy, Jeff. Um, I've uh, uh, had a call on Monday to prepare for... Uh, a scheduled meeting at 10 a.m. on Thursday, and that pre- preparation was quite extensive. So, uh, you know, it's fine, uh, but uh, it took a little while, and there's still a little yet to get done with that. And uh, try and try and stay pretty close to the home front here. Uh, did get a chance to say hi to you in person uh, Saturday, uh, and make sure we stayed our actually about 12 feet away as we sat and uh, had a little uh, Burger King breakfast there. So it's kind of nice to see you, Jeff. Uh, hadn't seen you in a while. And we, you know, we try to do that every now and then. But uh, So how was your week, Jeff? You know, I'll pay us on your son as well. Uh, he is going to be sworn in as uh, officially a lawyer, on this coming Thursday, um, so he he's all set, ready to go. He is working, has been working for about a month. My week last week was kind of boring; didn't do much. He sat around the house, but uh, yeah, yesterday was a good day to be outside. You know, we tailgated out there, people waved to us as, <laughs> as they drove by us. Yeah. Uh, that was good. So kind like of fun. There's a lot of fun people driving by us, <laughs> waving at us. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was good to see you, too. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah, he's being sworn into the bar. They do that in, in the uh, uh, any court system in the state of Michigan, usually district court. And they, that's when you get admitted to the bar. You pass the bar, which you get pretty handily. He's a very good student. And now he's going to be admitted to the bar. It's a very uh, somber uh, occasion, and uh, you know, I'm you know real glad that you, your son is doing that. I'm I'm kind of proud of him myself. You know, I went when he graduated there a few months ago. Uh, I think in January it was. Uh, it, that was quite a nice occasion as well. So anyhow, um, well, let's let's kind of. Get the show going here, and uh, you said we're going to update the announcements, but I, I got a few things I just want to cover real quick, and I'll just go ahead and, and say these. I got them kind of pinned here. And, um, uh, Politico said that states are letting stay-at-home orders expire regardless of the virus metrics, so they're a little ahead of the game. Uh, and the next one is uh, uh, auto. Work. This came out the 14th last Thursday. Auto work. U.S. auto workers set to reopen factories on Monday. Wait and watch on word from Mexico. Of course, uh, some of the plants aren't fully opening until the Tuesday after Memorial Day, which is next week from Tuesday. 
Future air travel could be a four-hour process check that includes check-in, disinfectant, immunity, and immunity passes. Okay, and that's the next one here coming up. Ah, American workers are being hung out to dry during the pandemic. Okay, frontline workers are highly vulnerable to the coronavirus, and not only because they're on, they're not, and not only because they're on the front lines. Okay. Uh, these are headlines from this article. Uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the top watchdog for worker safety, has failed to set out clear guidelines for workers. Another uh, caption uh, on this set of articles. In the meat industry, OSHA is not enforcing uh, coronavirus-related safety guidelines for many corporations. Occupational Safety and Health Act is OSHA, OSHA. And this was an article that was written by a person by the name of Mike Elk, E-L-K. Okay, let's see, I think I got a couple more here. We'll get into these and then we'll uh, get into pretty much the meat of the show. Let's just... Oh, Germany, uh, when they started, uh, they opened up their economy. Their coronavirus tripled. It jumped by 300%. So be careful when they go back to work, okay? Uh, all of us. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the uh, International Ultraviolet Association later in the show. Okay? So... Uh, let me, I'll get down to the, we had a lot of emails, just people just really, really anxious, concerned, nervous, and angry about going back to work, and we'll just sum it up like that. Uh, We had some details about uh, some of the uh, procedures that they use to try and cure it, or trying to to, to cure you, get you back to healthy, uh, your particular instance. You've all seen most of those, so there's no sense of us uh, talking uh, too much more about that. Uh, there are some treatments, and there's a lady, a doctor, lady doctor from Texas that was on early this morning talking about the treatments and how she's fixing people in 24 hours. So uh, I'll make sure that gets out there posted, at least on my page, so you can see it. It was pretty interesting. So um, let's see. This week, definition rabble-rouser. It's a noun. person who stirs up the passions or prejudices of the public, usually for, their, for his or her own interests, um, also known as a demagogue. Very similar. Rebel-rouser and demagogue are about the same. Jeff, you want to take your... You've got a couple of quotes there. You want to take those? First one is, nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. And that's from Marie Curry. I got that right. The second one is, yep. humility is thinking less of yourself and thinking of yourself Less. Oh, not thinking less of yourself. 
practice thinking of yourself less. That's from C.S. Lewis. Right. And I think she was also known as Madame Curie. Uh, uh, interesting woman. That's a nice quote by her. Thank you for that. Uh, you want to start talking about your... Uh, let me bring on our friend here. I think he's in the switchboard. Let me see if he's there. He didn't raise his hand, so he's not at the top. So I'm going to have to search for him a little bit. All right. Thanks for everybody being here, by the way. Uh, let's see. Taking live. And Brother Tom, are you there? Yeah, I think I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in here tonight, and uh, a lot of good topics to talk about, and uh, hopefully we offer some uh, insight into some of these things that may not necessarily come come to fruition with the uh, what we hope to be uh, critical to our workforces, uh, whether they be in the auto industry or whatever. But uh, there are certainly ideas out there progressing. I noticed in, the, in your opening statement you were going to talk about fluorescent lighting in the entranceways. And there are some people that have looked into that, but they're, they're very hesitant. But there are other issues out there, and I think we had talked about that uh, earlier today, today. And I have made a couple phone calls to doctors it gave me some very good information that I'd like to share with you guys uh, tonight, if at all possible, uh, to bring some clarity to ultraviolet, uh, whether they be in A, B, or C spectrum, and which one actually works most effectively with viruses and the human cells, as a matter of fact. So it's a really touchy feel field out there, and a lot of uh, folks are using ultraviolet now in in the fight against COVID-19, but uh, like you said in the opening, and uh, we have talked about, we've heard very little about using it in the auto industry. They use it excessively in the medical field and also in the meatpacking field, whether whether people realize that or not, but... uh, uh, I'd just like to touch bases once you get onto that topic, and uh, it's good hearing your voice out there, Jeff. I haven't heard you for nearly a month. I'm I'm happy for your son. I'm excited. I hope uh, everything uh, goes well for him, and, and he helps workers, uh, the the people out there every day making a living. I hope that's the field he chose, uh, whether it's uh, what type of law, whether it's family law or whatever. Uh, I, I hope he's very successful. Well, I'll let you get back to your opening uh, uh, statements here, and uh, I'm just going to sit back and listen, guys. Uh, great to hear us back on the on the airwaves here. Yeah, okay, Tom, thank you. Uh, you know, kind of follow up on that, um, we sort of, you know, after much discussion between ourselves uh, and others uh, in the team, uh, we sort of decided that we would not uh, be uh, – airing that many unless there was an emergency uh, during the shelter in place. And we tried to do that as a way, uh, by way of leading by example, just to keep it, you know, real for everybody. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a very serious issue and matter. Uh, none of us know all the answers. We're going to try and pick a few of them apart tonight uh, and, 
uh, give me a, maybe some information Jay. I haven't heard of or maybe you've rushed over, and uh, we're going to try and give you a little more detail on that. I think Tom's going to bring majority of that ultraviolet stuff. Uh, thank you for reaching out and finding that, Tom. That's really nice of you to do that. But we did try to lead by example and not have uh, too many shows. I think we had one during the, uh, the shutdown. And we're about to you know, open things back up here, so we thought we'd come in tonight and start. And, uh, you know, a number of things, you know, one is just, you know, add another element of caution to the return to work. And please, you know, this, this is serious. This is about people's lives. So whether or not you like wearing a mask or some other protective equipment, uh, if it calls for it on your particular job, please do wear it. And if you're close to somebody, please do wear it. Again, there's, there's arguments on both sides of this, uh, but lives are at stake. And let's err on the side of caution. So, um, Jeff, do you want to jump in there? And I know you've got a couple of topics you want to uh, talk about here. Uh, and I know you were passionate in our conversation yesterday about this first one. So if you want to jump on, just start. Yeah. Earlier in the week, there was a uh, YouTube video when I'm Facebook. Um, Apologize. Apologize. And um, the person who posted it had said that they thought the video would be taken down soon. Uh, I did see it. I posted it on my page. I posted it on Working for a Living Facebook page. And it was about Bill Gates. It seems that he has a... Uh, facility in China where he they can make viruses and vaccines. Now he has uh, I had the paperwork proving uh, that he had patents for both the virus for COVID-19 COVID-19 and the vaccine for COVID-19. Um, Bill Gates has been one of the people in the world that's trying to depopulize our planet. Um, he is currently over in Africa using little kids over there as guinea pigs. And he's given these kids vaccines. Um, there's also right now a uh, online petition from the White House to have uh, charges brought up against Mr. Gates for crimes against humanity. Um, but it was on YouTube. You know, YouTube took it down very quickly, um, like a day or so. But um, that's what's going on with Mr. Gates. Um, because we all know he left his company a couple months back, and this is what he's doing now. Um, traveling around the world, giving little kids in third world countries. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if he's poisoning them or, or what, but he's 
He's going to be guinea pigs. Uh, and it's just not right. He should, he should be in jail. Uh, no doubt in my mind for what he's doing. Um, so that's all I got on that one, Leroy. And if Tom wants to talk about the ultraviolet lights, we can do it now. Uh, yeah, let me let me just uh, uh, add to the Bill Gates thing. You did mention that uh, they took down some, the YouTube video and maybe some other videos regarding that matter. Uh, and I, I have to say that we've been seeing a lot of uh, uh, videos taken down. This is uh, some of it is really good information uh, by mm-hmm. uh, educators people, you know, uh, that uh, have gotten crossways with this administration. And, I mean, the, uh, the ones, not just the, 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 I'm not talking about just the president. I'm talking about the administration of other entities of our government. They got caught crosswise with them, and they have really put their boot right on their neck. And to the point where uh, some of these uh, host entities, uh, YouTube, and you know all the rest of them, are now being uh, uh, censored uh, police, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, and I don't want to get into too much of that, but uh, we haven't seen such censoring since I've been alive. Uh, I do recall one book and I, I can't even think of the name of it right now, that was uh, uh, taken out of the libraries uh, at some time ago. And some of the libraries refused to take it out. Uh, and that was, you know, about the time I was a teenager. And I really can't recall what that one book was. That's the only center that I can recall. And now it's happening uh, two or three times a week in the media that many of us use. So uh, I, want, I just want to make a record of that because this will go for, you know, 200 years from now or whatever, however long that this is, uh, media is going to be available. Uh, and when people look back, they'll wonder, uh, was it even noticed, this censorship? And did anybody make a record of it? We noticed it, and we're making a record of it right here and now. So uh, having said that, uh, there, there are some awful things going on. There's a video out there. I'm going to try and make a copy of it for my own use uh, about uh, a doctor who's talking about what's in vaccines. And I listened to about half of it uh, as I was working uh putting things together today, and he uh, was very, very shocking to me about some of the stuff that they put in vaccines. So uh, I'll, I'll try and get that on one of our posts. Okay, so uh, you know, having said that, uh, Tom, you want to jump in there on the ultralight, uh, ultraviolet lights and give us uh, what, what you uh, uh, want to about that? Because you're up, you're up to speed on all the nuances. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not up to speed on all the nuances. All I can tell you is that I had talked to some folks that uh, are in the medical profession, and uh, 
you know, I ask him several questions, and if I can remember these all right, I jotted them down and made notes. But uh, if I screwed up, it screwed up. But uh, basically, everybody's yeah. under the impression that now we're coming in the summer and the sun's shining, the weather's getting warmer, that uh, the uh, UV, UV rays coming from the sun are going to kill this virus off. And that's absolutely not the truth, uh, is what I'm being told. That has nothing to do with killing the virus off. Uh, people ask uh, questions. Uh, in uh, certain uh, particular businesses like supermarkets, uh, these uh, big box stores, why don't they uh, mount ultraviolet uh, lights in the entrance and exit ways uh, to uh, uh, help kill off the virus? Well, first of all, you, you'd have to have a very long uh, long time standing in that line uh, to, to get that virus killed. There's plenty of experience, experiments going on right now with UV, Limited a lot of stuff right now, but not in the uh, spectrum of the uh, UVA or B range. Uh, the A range virtually is the type of, uh, and, and that's the vast majority, they tell me, the uh, UVA range uh, is where people go out in the sun and, and they age and they get wrinkles from too much of the sun. And then in the and briefly they just explained it to me this way that's that's dangerous that's dangerous to to the individual's health sitting out there in the sun um, 80 percent of uh, skin aging uh, and uh, age spots come from that spectrum uh, supposedly according to these experts uh, in 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 the human race but uh, and then there's the uh, UV they tell me uh, the UVB uh, range, and that actually uh, is why they make suntan lotions with sunscreens in them. It, uh, it that that range can damage uh, the DNA in your skin, leading to the sunburn that we experience, and eventually can actually cause with overexposure skin cancer. Uh, and we we've seen quite a few cases, uh, a lot of cases over the last several years. So. People uh, getting severe burns and then resulting in skin skin cancer. So, but these all could be that that could be blocked out by using good suntan lotions. So now, what do we need to get? The doctors tell me when I talk to them. I ask the question. Well, what? Because I wasn't familiar with, with these ranges or these spectrums. Because I too thought maybe they could do something about it. And they told me virtually uh, the UVC range, which nobody cares about, because most of that spectrum coming out of the, from the sun is filtered out through our ozone layer. None of it reaches the planet, touches the ground. And that's the spectrum, they're telling me, that they use uh, most exclusively in the sterilization of uh, medical equipment, hospital equipment. They use it on airplanes. They use it in offices and factories every day for sanitizing those facilities. And it's critical. It's critical in most of those industries because there's a lot of folks traveling in and out. We know how many people travel in and out of our factories, especially auto workers and air air, uh, flights, uh, and so on and so forth, uh, and, and they and they tried to explain it to me the best they could. In fact, they told me, and I didn't know this, and I have a swimming pool, 
they're telling me that the most effective way to fil- filter uh, germs and bacteria out of your swimming pool is with uh, a, a, U- a UVC uh, ultraviolet uh, thing that you put in your filtration system, and it takes the parasites out of out of the water rather than using chlorine as a disinfectant. So uh, it uh, it uh, probably is the best way to go with swimming pool because we know what chlorine can do to the body or to the skin and into into your lungs and what have you. Tell me, uh, the, uh, with UVC, they're running several exper- uh, experiments now in in, in result of these uh, the con uh, the code of 19 coronavirus and they're they're studying this they're doing the best they can uh they've used it successfully in SARS which is a type of uh coronavirus uh and and, and they're working uh, quite frankly uh, to, to find the best way to use it they're they're finding however there is no at this particular time there is no useful use for the ultraviolet light if you're trying to disinfect personal protective equipment. Uh, they said it's possible to kill the virus this way, and they said more experimentation needs to be done and find out that the need for this virus needs a lot of exposure time uh, as to other viruses. So basically, in a nut, nut, nutshell, you know, you're, you're probably going to see it implemented and probably should be implemented uh, in the shop floors when they're cleaning the floors and what have you. What do they tell you now? The doctors are telling you, take your shoes off and leave them in the garage when you come in the house because what are you picking up out there on the pave, paveway or what have you? But basically, they're working on it. They're using it in China right now on buses and uh, and uh, other things, uh, they're using robots to, to clean floors. I think they, they put in, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we talked about this, Leroy, you brought it to my attention, but they're using these robots today uh, with the ultraviolet UVC uh, lamps in the Pittsburgh airport and cleaning the surfaces and the floors uh, at the airport. Uh, but basically that's what I found out. There's a lot of misnomers out there and, uh, there's a lot of useful things that they could use it for, but it's not in the spectrums that we thought it would be, and it needs a lot more study to be done. I think if the auto industry is looking at UV lighting, I think they need to put it to use in cleaning the shop floors and disinfecting uh, uh, parts that are sitting in a storage area someplace because uh, they can do those at that, that sort of thing in, in that particular area. That's that's the end of what I had to, and I hope I didn't screw it up, Doctor. I know you're out there listening. I gave you the phone number. <laughs> the uh, it, it, you're, uh, I, I don't know about the different spectrums, Tom, but I do know every time I used to go to the dentist, and I I had a, a friend that was a, a dental hygienist, uh, and uh, she would point out often. Uh, that they put their tools. They don't. They don't put them in water and disinfectant. Uh, but when they're done, uh, they put them in a uh, what's called an enclave or an enclave uh, that's sitting on their little uh, on the top of their cabinet there, 
and you can see it if you pay attention. You uh, look over there, and they—they—that's uh, how they uh, clean all of their equipment, put it in that enclave, uh, and uh, it does have ultraviolet in there. And I believe it's probably the AC. I don't know. And they—they—they they, they have no problem. I mean, they'll wipe them off and you know rinse them a little bit, and then stick them in there so that they don't have any you know. Uh, you know, uh, fat or uh, tissue or anything on there, but uh, they they swear by it. It just does it. it you know, but they have to be in there yep. for a fair amount of time. You know, so lengthy, lengthy amount of time. Yeah. So, but they're still doing research on it. So you know, it, it's amazing what we can come up with. These young kids coming out of college, just like Jeff's son and stuff. They're amazing people. Uh, they're a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, they have they have tools that, that we didn't have when we were coming up, and uh, they're better at using them. So we give them all the props for that. So uh, thank you for that report, Tom. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add to that? No, I do remember reading about the Pittsburgh Airport. Um, I haven't heard anything how it's going with it yet, but guys, yeah, being used in some places. Yeah, they're, they're using them on buses and in uh, airports. Uh, they're using them in different uh, uh, venues. They're using them in, in the uh, meatpacking uh, industry and, like I said, in, in the medical profession. It's exactly what Leroy just said. But they put them in those con- containers and they're in there for several hours before they uh, are completely sanitized. But uh, yeah, they're 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 using them to clean the floors in hospitals, uh, and they're robots. I mean, they're basically robots. So. And uh, that's what I was told by a doctor. That's well, my point. With, 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 with that said, you know, we've been kind of pushing this ultraviolet uh, thing. You know, I was on a call Wednesday night, uh, and uh, I, I listened to some of the Congress uh, persons out there. And uh, Debbie Dingell uh, is a leader in Congress, uh, the widow of John Dingell, and uh, just an amazing family. The Dingell family is several generations now in Congress, and they've been doing this a while. And she's really good at it. And she had um, uh, her show, and uh, they, they didn't talk about this, but I made sure that I got this message to them that we ought to be taking a hard look at ultraviolet uh, as a way of helping to control. Nothing, no, I don't think any single thing, and uh, as, as people are listening, uh, I don't think there's any single thing that's going to uh, do this, but uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a complex uh, um, group of things that are going to help us to de- defeat this. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's push those people that have the ability to go ahead and uh, the young people or older people, whoever they are, to, to in, incorporate yet another thing into the system to make it even safer for everybody to go to work or go to the the you know the shopping center, the grocery store, whatever. So uh, let's let's work on every aspect that we can. It's a, it's like a diamond; it has many facets to it. So. Okay, well, we'll put that one in the in the history books for now. Um, 
Jeff, do you want to talk about the J&J? Yeah. Um, for those members who don't know, um, there was some activity involving the UAW this week here in Detroit. Um, on Thursday, Gary Jones had a, he pleaded not guilty to the charges of racketeering and uh, corruption, I believe it was. I know it was racketeering. He pleaded not guilty. And they also released Norwood Churl from prison, but he's on home confinement. Um, I know that's got a lot of the members upset. Um, I'm seeing some of their reactions after I posted it. I don't know. He wasn't lucky enough in the... um, Heavy security prison, that's for sure. But he's uh, been released, and hopefully he's got a ankle bracelet on him, so he can't leave his home. So that's that's what's going on this week in Detroit. Yeah. Well, uh, you say he had the they note that he had heavy security in in prison. No, I, I said that he wasn't in a heavy security prison world. Uh, oh, he was not. Okay. All right. No, he was not. He was one of those, one of those uh, country club prisons I got. Yeah. Uh, it's a federal prison, so it wasn't in the Michigan prison yeah. system because he was federally charged. Um, right. Yeah, Jones, you know, no lawyer is going to tell him to do anything but plead not guilty because when you plead guilty, you lose your right of appeal or... Uh, even if if you want to appeal the sentence, uh, you lose that right. So no lawyer is going to tell him to plead guilty, but we all have a real good feeling on how that's all going to go. Uh, but you're innocent until proven guilty, you know, and uh, we'll we'll see. We're watching that to see how it plays out. Jewel, um, he... Uh, He's got his own special brand of being a criminal, uh, convicted felon, and uh, he survived prison, uh, and he's out now, and I'm sure there's a lot of people not too happy with him. And I kind of uh, got an idea where his home is. It used to be a big plush place, but now it's sort of an average run-of-the-mill sort of place and uh, pushing any ill will, but he's not living in the lap of luxury, I can tell you that. This place is not one of those big places that you have many mansions or whatever. So uh, just have a little solace with that. But uh, we don't wish him any ill will. The membership's pretty mad at him, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Tom, you got anything on those two characters? No, I uh, heard he was at one of those facilities where he was uh, uh, practicing the safe distance and he was uh, experimenting with the UV rays poolside. Ah, really? (laughs) Uh, I, I can tell you, just as an aside here, 
it has gotten very cloudy and dark, and we are expecting thunderstorms. So if you lose us, or especially me, that's that's what's happened. So um, it, it's been kind of an interesting evening for this radio show. Uh, yeah, just wanted to point that out. Uh, so, yeah, um, so we'll see how the J&J go. And there's a lot more actors to follow, believe me. They're not anywhere close to done. And I'm quite sure it's going to the local level as well. Uh, in my own report, uh, the return to work, you know, we've kind of hit on that a little bit about with the ultraviolet light. Uh, and right now that's not, evidently it's not a, an option. Uh, but, you know, everybody, everybody is being asked to return to work uh, in manufacturing. Michigan sort of drove that uh, early on when things uh, first uh, got a little out of hand when our international and the union are in, in our union and the uh, management of the three Detroit three came together with their task force and said, well, we're going to have you continue to work. We'll have an hour between each shift and uh, wash your hands as often as you can. Don't touch your face. And that was the guideline. No overtime. And that's those guidelines that came out on a Tuesday night. And then uh, my phone and the Internet and the uh, uh, Facebook and email lit right up in the morning, or Wednesday morning, asking or saying that something could be done. And at some point, uh, I got their message. You know, I mean, uh, the members were real concerned about going into work, just like they are now. And we imposed on the system, flying through people that I know, that they stop and get some sanity into this and not have our folks work while this is still getting sorted out because they didn't want to die. And we started seeing people get it and die. So uh, I made a phone call at 1130, gave an ultimatum. Uh, two hours and 15 minutes later, they they made their announcement that they were going to shut it down, and some people drugged their feet, some plant managers trying to make a name for themselves out there. Uh, I think they made a name, but it's not one they want to have. Uh, so uh, in the end, uh, everybody was sent home. They asked for some volunteers in critical areas, parts plants, and some other criti- parts plants and uh, other critical areas. Uh, and they got it. And uh, we've done okay, but not the best with this. Uh, then, uh, I'm giving a little history here. Then we had a big rally here in Michigan with guns and cars and honking. And one one associate that uh, 
uh, was on the CB radio with him, and he said he figured out why they call them honkies because <laughs> they were blowing their horn. <laughs> there has been a few humorous moments. Uh, and they got 500,000 signatures in a weekend to recall the governor. Uh, most of those are probably invalid, and they would find that pretty quickly. Uh, we tried to get a, an appeal, a declaration of support for her, uh, and uh, I was motivated and directed by uh, leaders in virtually every aspect of the state of Michigan uh, that called and said, we really need to do something. The party's not doing anything, and go figure. Uh, but we put a declaration of support out there, and we got 157 signatures. People that I know that are strong Democrats simply were scared to sign it because of being targeted by the 500,000 in large part. Um, declaration of support does not mean we approve of every decision or any signer approves of every decision the governor makes. And there's several that we can point to that she didn't do so good at. We appreciate that she got us out of the plants early on till they could get it sorted out. And now, uh, and she led that against our own union and against the Detroit Three to try and keep us safe. So let's give her credit where credit's due. Has she done the best? No. Are there any perfect crisis? No. Um, then we had the barbershop issue. And I posted finally some sanity and the will of the people's being observed. And that was... The barber had been served by six police officers, state police officers on, I think, Friday. And he was served with an order by the uh, Health and Human Services Department to uh, cease and desist, essentially, to my understanding. And then the Michigan militia got into it, and they surrounded his place on Saturday so that they wouldn't come and take him to jail. And Sunday, we were headed for a standoff at the OK between the enforcing authorities and the Michigan militia. And they are well-motivated, believe me. That likely could have caused it to get legs in the nation because it's like a tinderbox out there. Just ask your neighbor something. I can tell you that... Uh, a gentleman who has been wake, uh, uh, woken at 4 o'clock every morning one day recently got up to confront Brett with the lights of the headlights shining into his bedroom. And he got up and went out, confronted his neighbor yet another time about not leaving his lights on. And this is, this. I'm telling you this because this is the the mood of the nation, okay? And the, the young 29-year-old man with the headlights pointed in the bedroom of the 77-year-old man. 
they had a, a moment of a generational gap immediately because the young man told him to go F himself and get the hell out of his yard. Well, he did. He went back home and uh, he uh, uh, he's going to use the goat defense, I think. <laughs> on the side of his temper, it's, it's etched in their goat. <laughs> At least it is now. <laughs> he took his hammer and knocked out both headlights. Problem solved, right? So, uh, it, it, you know, it's kind of funny. You got to give the old guys some, some credit for having some brass, right? But, um, and, and uh, uh, we've been having a little fun around that, around this household. So, but he, uh, it's serious. Uh, I think it's, you know, that particular incident will probably get resolved without a lot of trouble. Pay for some headlights. Uh, and, you know, trying to make nice with each other, maybe a privacy fence. So that's the that's the, the, the mood of the country. Had we had a shootout at that barber shop, it could have caused a civil war. And on my post that I made in one of the made it in several places on Facebook, one of the larger larger uh, pages, two international staff reps that I know come on there making negative comments. Oh, that's about Republican. It has nothing to do with Republican. Other guys say, I'm not going to vote for him. You're not going to vote for him for stopping the civil war. Because see what happened: the sheriff and the local judge come in and said they wouldn't enforce the order. Okay. To defuse an all-out civil war in the United States, they need to have a badge of honor, not be mean. Just because they have R next to their name doesn't mean they're not a friend of labor. The particular sheriff we're talking about is a friend of labor. We don't pick our friends. They pick us. And friends of labor are getting fewer and fewer to be found. The reason this particular sheriff is a friend of labor is because his uncle, several cousins, are high-level elected officials in unions other than the UAW. And he supports labor 100% because of being brought up in that environment with his cousins and uncle, his mother's brother. High-level elected officials. Very, very high level. As high as you can get in the United States. And he stood up for the best interest of the nation and stopped the Civil War that sheriff, and the judge the, that, uh, that was involved as well, the two of them. Were there decisions made by the governor that weren't the best that caused this? Arguably, yes. Did we work hard to get this governor elected and she's going to stand up for us when we need her to try and keep us safe? Arguably, yes. Is anybody perfect? 
Absolutely no. And she held the line as long as she could to keep us as safe as long as she could because Michigan drives the auto industry. If Michigan can't go back to work, the other states will go back to work and in a week or so be done because they need Michigan, right? Everybody knows that, especially in the auto industry. So she took a lot of hard knocks. And these two guys out there dividing labor because guess what? The sheriff's going to, you know, find out about all that, go to his family and say, hey, why am I being beat up? Let's not divide labor. And let's, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. Let's try and work together with R and the D. I work very hard for D. Okay? I do. It is who I am. It's what I've done in my life. I'm a D. But I'm not mad at R, especially when they're our friends. And there's a lot that aren't, but those that are, we need to take care of a little bit, right? You know, I I work pretty hard around here. I, you know, I'm I'm chair of the treasurer of the political action committee for the township caucus. I'm the president of a political corporation for the betterment of Michigan. All that and all of what I'm doing here and helping people. So let's understand this radio show. Tom, Jeff, we're about labor. Sometimes our gets reported on and sometimes D gets reported on. But it's about labor. Who's our friend? Will they help us when we need them? Governor Whitmer did that to the best she could. She's new at this, admittedly. She's new. Novice people with power that are new in the executive branch go through this. You see it when you have a brand new supervisor. Every one of them go through that power thing. We say it at the beginning of the show, every show since we've had it. Power and control is not the characteristics of leadership. You have to do it in the interest of the membership or the community. So that's a little little thing about that. Let's 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 take notice of the friends that we had through this. You know, we've got, you know, a lot of people out there arguing and things. Let's just keep it, keep it real and keep it. Let's, let's all work together and try and get this done so none of us die or the fewest die as possible. This is a tough time. As we return to work, people are going to walk in the facility on either side, I want to be here, I don't want to be here. Be respectful of their position. Please wear personal protective equipment. This return to work is probably one of the biggest deals in labor 
for centuries. Let's try and do it as amicably as we can. Let's be friends when we go back to work. Uh, Jeff, you got any on that? No, you're absolutely right. Um, just walking to someone on Facebook, Paul's, um, I see a lot of division amongst the uh, people uh, in politics and, and this COVID-19. But you're absolutely right. Tom, you got anything about all of that? Court, what you said 110 uh, percent, and I'm very, very pleased that uh, I noticed after it was brought to our attention, a subject dear to my heart, she had canceled and she revoked what she had put out there, and I am now able to go ice fishing on Lake Michigan. <laughs> oh, I, I heard she canceled it for the summer ice fishing. <laughs> If you don't know what the joke is about, she stopped power voting in the middle of March. And power voting in Michigan doesn't get popular until, you know, next week here in May. So there was people shaking their head and going, why? So now the joke is (laughs) ice fishing. Leroy, may I add so, this? Gretchen, if you're listening, Gretchen, if you're listening, I I just couldn't resist myself. I I do apologize, <laughs> and I love you dearly. <laughs> so, we're having a little little fun at you know at her expense. But, you know, she's been doing a good job. You know, and there, there's been mistakes, and you know. Uh, these were coming not just from her, from people around her. And, uh, you know, the whole tone of that office has changed if you're paying attention. So um, we've been working behind the scenes to kind of put some sanity. Uh, clearly, there, there's some decisions that we're not going to talk about here uh, and uh, that have been made. And clearly, there was nobody with uh, what, you know, arguably we call whiskers or reebacks or you know, senior people that have done this for a while. Um, and uh, I think we've had some additions to the staff that bring that now. So I can't say that for sure, but I can see the difference in the last uh, five to six days for sure, maybe 10. We had an issue come up uh, 13 days ago. It came to my attention, and we started working on that pretty hard. And so... Just know that not only try to get them elected, but try and hold them accountable and keep them down the straight path, the proper path that benefits everybody in the state, not just D or R, but everybody. And when these issues come up, uh, they, there's people that are in a group that are D and R and L and everything else you can think of, you know, and every color and, this, the, you know, anything, just anything. When they come up and they're wrong, we got to get it fixed. And when we fixed one of these, it was a really big deal. It's not really public. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we do a lot of work out of our team here. So 
want to let everybody know that that's we do a lot of work to help them, and we do a lot of work to kind of reprimand them from time to time. So uh, get them get them fixing stuff that they screwed up. So uh, just know I don't want to get into the issue, but know we got it fixed, and a lot a lot of very good, very smart, very experienced people made that happen. And thank you to every one of you for that. And uh, that's all I'll say on that. So, uh, so we have had a little fun. The ice fishing thing was a little. She never did that. <laughs> Believe me, she never did it. But we're having fun, <laughs> and not just us. It's been on the internet all over. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have an appeal. We're just a little over an hour. I'll keep this pretty quick, uh, and then we'll tighten this up and get done with it pretty much. Um, uh, the, uh, we have an appeal that um, is on the ratification vote um, result. Uh, I'm a retiree, and I'm not allowed to participate in the negotiations uh, or any any office, I'm not allowed to participate in any office that handles grievances at the local union level. Local union level. Can't run for local union president, can't run for bargaining chair, bargaining committee, uh, can't run for recording secretary who handles grievances like I did, right? Recording secretary records all the grievances and de facto part of the bargaining committee. Interesting little nuance. Very few of you knew about. Uh, so, yeah, I handled every grievance for three terms. I knew the result of every one of them for three terms. It's a little uh, from plant line. So you, you get a little uh, insight that you don't see any committee, any single committee person, job committee, or chairperson. You get a little different insight to it. So, and the president sets de facto on the board, all, all committees. So, or ex officio, I'm sorry, on all committees. Uh, so that that's one of the things. Even though they have them, but they want to. They're trying to selectively enforce that uh, on us here. So, we, uh, uh, I wrote. We we talked about it, and I wrote an an appeal. Uh, we did not participate in the negotiation process other than, you know, on the radio show, say our piece. Uh, we didn't uh, vote, uh, any any of us retires, me either, on, on the ratification vote. And that process, the negotiating process that we're bar- barred from, ended with the announcement of the result, period. And when the result was out there, there were some things in the agreement that we didn't like. None of us. And I wrote an appeal, and I made it available for all the divisions. And uh, everybody's a little, side, you know, scared because retaliations are rampant in our organization at the moment, from management and the union. So I'm out here, and I've been throwing earth, uh, swinging uh, hard hickory at fastballs for a long time. Uh, uh, so internally, we, I wrote that, and it included the four elements. One is uh, there was there is no codified procedure for the ratification vote. There's no procedure for challengers or appeal or anything like that codified. Who handles the election? Who counts it? Uh, in fact, in 
2015, the international counted the votes they, for Chrysler the second time around they voted. They counted them. And uh, there was a report that uh, it was an interesting count. We'll just say that, right? Uh, and so uh, the second element's about re uh, uh, the uh, temporaries. The uh, Constitution says no greater than three months. While we don't know for sure if it violates the Constitution, we're going to raise the issue. The other issue is Appendix uh, K in the General Motors Agreement. That's the competitive clause making us, as union people, responsible to make the corporation more competitive. That's their job. Our Constitution says it's supposed to be done in the interest of members only. And while we don't know if it's a violation or not, we're waiting for higher authority with credentials to tell us yes or no. And the last one is we're supposed to enforce laws and work to repeal those laws that are unfriendly to labor, unfriendly and unjust to labor. That's in the Constitution. In the pension supplement, there's language that if the funding falls below 80%, pensions get cut by 50%. If it falls by 60%, or it falls below 60%, no more pension. Even if the law is repealed, it's in the agreement. Now, we don't know if that's a violation of the Constitution of the UAW. We're waiting for higher authority with credentials to affirm or deny such things that internal appeal was not addressed at the local union level. After a while, I sent that up to the IEB. Some underling sent some kind of an opinion, his personal opinion, and it didn't come from the IEB by and through signature of the president. And since I hadn't heard from them on the appeal after a certain period of time, I appealed it to the public review board. That's where it is now. Internal appeal. That's the highest authority. The next one goes out to the the uh, federal district court. As the sole individual who wrote this, it's not on behalf of anybody else. It's me. Just a little edification here. Pay attention, everybody. With my background, I can do pro se at that level. Easily. That's the end of the internal appeal. And it, we, we kind of let you know that over the last few shows and since uh, that was going on. So uh, then we had... Uh, a six-month window from October 25th when they announced the ratification vote result to uh, make a complaint to the National Labor Relations Board. On April 24th, the last business day, because the 25th was a Saturday, and that was six months, the drop-dead date, 
that it could have been filed on, the last business day, having given the union as long as we possibly could to call out management on their own for having undue influence on the agreement to the point that it caused them to, the union, to uh, possibly violate their own constitution. If anybody's paying attention to the constitution these days, I kind of doubt it. But uh, if they, they were, that gave them the full opportunity to do that on their own. Having not done that on their own, yours truly filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board and uh, against our union for doing that and against the company for having undue influence on the agreement to the extent that there's a potential violation of the UAW Constitution by the negotiators. Ignorance is not a defense that was told to me, I can't tell you how many times, by the attorney caseworker that we're assigned to. Monday, I got a call from the NLRB, from the caseworker assigned, attorney caseworker, who told me, amongst other things, ignorance is not a defense. It's either a violation or it's not. And I said, beyond my pay grade, but I'm going to raise the issue. Somebody else is going to have to affirm or deny it. Understood, he says. And that is moving forward at flank speed. And everybody with anything to do with labor or management is watching this one, big-ass magnifying glass. The next step there would be an appeal to the NLB, and the next step after that is back to the court structure on our own. Again, because it's just me, I can do that pro se. We were asked, I was, exactly and specifically what would you like the remedy to be? For those temporaries out there that are working and they've been temporary for five, six years, for all those people who've had their jobs doubled over the past two decade and a half or tripled, added work, speed-ups without speed-up grievances because the chairperson's required by Appendix K to make the company competitive and essentially can't write a grievance for speed-up. And for the retirees whose pension could be cut the good news is the request is out for the remedy to remove such language from our agreement, get back the 90 days, 
get back to being a union, and stop taking from retirees. And any and all actors who caused that language to be in there, and this goes back to the original authors of the language, but certainly the people that kept it in there this time, to be disciplined. And that includes management. And that's why you saw a couple of Wednesdays ago, management's finally being drug into the corruption. That was likely caused by this complaint against management. And I say it's about time that management's fingernails are dirty. And those of you in the union telling members of this team that management didn't do anything wrong, you need to check yourself and start to figure out what side you're on. And I'm talking about people on the executive board at the international level and their associates. If you're spreading that, you don't belong there. And we're going to do our best to remove you and all the cancer around you from our union. Jeff, you got anything to say about those two updates on the internal Indian LRB appeal? No, I'm just waiting for the uh, cancer. And hammer to drop, right? Like the, like the 77 yeah. year old with headlights, right? <laughs> exactly. The goal. Generational gap there. I guess I'm too old to be a good union rep, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see about that. I think I think getting back to uh, labor in different days gone by would be a good thing. A real good thing. And the only way to get there through somebody that's actually been there and done that. There might be other ways, but it's probably the easiest and the best. Tom, you got anything on those updates? No, it's it seems like the government's still leaking to the press. Yeah, they did. <laughs> this uh 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 my understanding that justice is uh, been in, you know been informed of this so uh, and uh, there's a racketeering element of justice it's real interesting so we'll see yeah there, there, we'll see probably uh, there's probably a, a lot of other uh, things that uh, could be thrown into that case but the, what we've got is uh, something very special uh, in regards to whether or not we truly believe on what we are all about as union people. If you have a constitution, why not follow it? And, I mean, it's as simple as that. Where we went astray, sometime I I would have to say shortly after the bankruptcy is where we really got off track, but it started in the 80s. But uh, neither here nor there, you have done an excellent job. I've uh, read some of your writings and uh, very proud to be associated with somebody with your character, your knowledge, and your ability to follow through when you say you're going to do something. I've never known you 
the few years that I have associated with you, I think it's going on five years now, Leroy, but uh, uh, the uh, things that you have taken on your own for the betterment of thousands of UAW members is is amazing to me. You've done more single-handedly than an office full of people sitting around in Solidarity House putting fires out. Right. We, you know, I mean, you're privileged that some of the things we're doing behind the scenes now for uh, some members that, in addition to somebody that's lost their membership, um, we don't want to get into any any particulars at all, but we have two more cases uh, on the burner here that we're working on, and, uh, you know, we, we think we'll be successful, and uh, it's never easy. You have to know the the uh, Constitution, the collective bargaining agreement, and federal law. And uh, you know, we we once we get uh, in leadership, you know, we need we need to start educating the committee body, bargaining team, uh, because there's a lot of folks that they're not doing or ignorant of what they can do uh, that can make it a whole lot easier for our membership. Uh, and that's one of the things that we commit to do once we aspire or ascend to leadership. So, um, And Tom and I and Jeff and I talk about it. Others talk about it. I don't get on everybody's name here. But uh, it's one of the things we need to do is educate the committee body uh, on some of the nuances that they are not using in their quiver of arrows uh, against management that they could. And I know the whole notion out there is, well, don't piss management off, you know, because... Yeah. Well, the river is going to go away. And we know what we're talking about. Okay. So, uh, uh, and we'll start using those elements that are available to us to stop people being progressive in this in the system and that's gonna uh, and there's ways of doing that are not being used now. And you're making everybody's job hard. So probably enough said about that right now. But um so you know Tom you talk about some of the things I've done. You know I've, I've before I even knew what I was doing, uh, some 1,400 of us had got, uh, no, I got to say 148 of us got passed over. 1,400 in, in the kind of the, the group of us that were laid off. But in the early 80s, got laid off in 80, and through August 1st, I got returned in 1983. I was laid off almost three years. That was just right after divorce, and I had just about 11 years when I got laid off. So this was mid-career. Devastated. Essentially took every penny I had. Down to my last nickel. You hear me talk about Ruben Burks and his son Donnie. Donnie and I, when we returned to work, would talk about it. I didn't have 15 cents to buy a pack of French fries at McDonald's. 
for the last few months we were laid off. We, we subsisted on macaroni and cheese at 10 cents a box. And if we were able to have saved some tuna fish in the cans, otherwise it was just macaroni and cheese that you could get 10 for a dollar. We didn't literally drive by. We didn't have money to buy French fries. 15 cents so you know we've been through it and one of the things I did when they started hiring people 1400 people around us that's where that came from and from from Flynn into Lansing and that was a big move back then because it was outside the area higher at the time so I wrote a, an article and it made the newspaper I sent it in a newspaper and it dealt with seniority, and I said it was a, you know, another nail in the coffin of labor. Well, it got the attention of everybody. The committee body in my local union were just elated that, that I'd taken a position. They didn't keep the heat up, kind of, from the committee body. And, and they said, you know how to do that. I know, well, I suppose I do. I, you know, I'm kind of new with this, um, but I'm not anymore. And the letter, I admonished him for uh, the hiring people such uh, a line of seniority. And when we came to the new plant, we didn't have any seniority, even though, in my case, at 14-plus years, when I hired him to Oldsmobile, and I was low man on the totem pole. So Stan Marshall, who's still alive, was regional director, later vice president of GM, or the GM department of the uh, United Auto Workers, right? Stan called me in, and he said, what do you want? I said, I want full seniority after a year. He said, we're going to work on this for you. And they called me in a couple more times, a couple times by phone, and said, where are we at? I said, well, you know, I think I can sell that to the membership, you know, around me. Okay, and they came up with a phantom date, one seven eighty five. So no matter where you hired in at, you would always have at least one seven eighty five if if it was a move. And today, when people move from plant to plant, if they have seniority dates, you know, uh, uh, subsequent to January seventh. 1985, say they have a seniority date in 1992. Well, if you get laid off from Lordstown and picked up at Fort Wayne, you have 1992 seniority. Used to be you went over in Fort Wayne and you'd have zero. It started day one. Low man on phone, like me and everybody around me at the time. But because of that letter that I wrote, we got 1785. Those people that had the negotiating authority did that. And, you know, the, the motivation from that letter. And now, if you had 92 seniority in Lordstown, you went to Fort Wayne, you carried your 1992 seniority with you. You have your 28 years. And that's because of that letter. I was sitting at a dinner, a 
was the last Jeff Jack dinner they had, and I was down there for another reason. And I was sitting at the Flint table for UAW. I've gotten, uh, at the last minute, I said, I need some tickets. And cap coordinator, for a reason, give me give me eight of them, the whole, whole table. And I got rid of them. I passed them out. People use them. But my seat, my seat was at the Flint table with the number of people that were high-level cap people in, in the Flint area. And remember, I was past cap coordinator, so they all know me. But they didn't know me what I've done. What else have you done, Leroy, was the question. That's why I wrote that letter in 1983. And without hesitation, this lady, African-American woman, wonderfully charming union woman, said without hesitation, you got us 1785. You're kind of famous for that. I says, well, I never really thought of it that way. A lot of us didn't get abused when we moved from plant to plant to plant because of you. Thank you. So in a way, in kind of a backhanded way, because I already forgotten about it, quite frankly, you know, it, I look back and I think that's one of the proudest moments and probably one of the biggest things, the biggest effects I've had on the membership. We're doing some things now that could help me as much. But people being able to move now and take their seniority with them is a big deal. And I'm pleased to say that I had a hand in it, a big hand in it. And uh, it's it's one of my proudest and most shining moments in my career. So, having said that, uh, that's enough of patting myself on the back. And thank you, Tom, for those nice accolades. I really appreciate it. Uh, you've seen what's going on here, and you know a lot of the stuff that's not public. As much as anybody, we, we talk. We're a couple of old guys, and we talk quite a bit. We actually, when we were kids, threw some softballs and footballs around the backyard a little bit and never knew that we'd be doing this, you know, 60 years later. Thank you for that. Uh, do you have anything else to say, Tom? Anything at all? No, I just think. I just think credit is due where warranted, and a lot of people don't know the history there, and uh, you should not be ashamed of, uh, I don't call it patting on the back. I, I call it bringing it to people's attention, uh, and it's more or less a credential that you could show somebody that uh, uh, that you can be proud of. It's, it's like Jeff's son getting that degree. Well, you were self-taught. You went out there and did what you thought were right for people, and you've been doing it ever since. And there's nothing wrong without, without you know, going out there and telling people exactly what you're all about. Because a lot of people don't know that, Leroy. And I wouldn't be ashamed one bit if I were you. There's no, no apologies necessary to anybody out there in regards to you. I can't, I can't explain it the way you can do it. But there's a legacy there that needs to be understood and and what what this is all about and what we're doing now, especially the people with the knowledge to do the things, put pencil to paper, much better than uh, I can. Uh, all right, and uh, I appreciate it one hundred percent. And there ain't one plug nickel I'm getting out of here. It's for the people that come down the road if it can be at all done. I mean, we're 
I don't know, Jeff, do you think I'm out of bounds when I'm asking Leroy to pat himself on the back once in a while? <laughs> he deserves it. No, take a victory lap every now and then. Oh, just, just try not to do it too much. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah Tom, uh, well, Jeff, Jeff, do you have any anything else to add? Uh, thank you, Tom, for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. just about anything. And, and, you know, this is our wrap up, you know, for the show. So, any, got anything to talk about? Since the pants were down, my my plant had a skeleton crew inside building respirators for this COVID nineteen, and they were sending them off to uh, Washington State. So, I need to give a big thank you for those people who volunteered make those machines that were desperately needed in the hospitals. Kudos to them. Yeah. Kudos. Tom, Tom, did you have anything did you have anything else, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I commend those people uh, that Jeff Jeff said to. There's thousands of them out there. They are the true heroes. It's not the politicians. It's not the 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 uh, people out there that are dictating policy they're looking out for the best interest like you said earlier in the program for their constituents in whatever state they may be in or whether they be in the federal government and uh once again we we take into consideration the the uh, criticisms that our public officials elected public officials uh tend to go to war over for political gain and uh they should take a lead from our people that are working on those shop floors that are putting their lives on the line every day, uh, going out there in these meat packing companies, these hospitals, the fire, you know, you could go on and on. The garbage truck drivers, the unsung hero, the truck driver that's getting these uh, food supplies to the, to the grocery stores, the people that are making the ventilator, the mask, and what have you. Jeff, you're absolutely right on point with that. But in the headlines, they they do not get enough credit, and it's all politics. That that politic bullshit needs to go by the wayside. Uh, I think you touched on that earlier. One other point, quick point, uh, and and I'd like an answer to it. Maybe I, I find it. Where are these numbers? Everybody uh, seems to have uh, in their towns now access to these test kits where they stick your finger, and within fifteen twenty minutes, they got the results of whether or not you. Uh, have the uh, uh, proteins, in other words, the antibodies for the uh, COVID-19 virus. Uh, these are walk-in facilities from what I understand. Uh, some are taking insurance, some are doing it for free. Uh, where are those numbers when, when they come out? And I, I read an article just the other day, New York City has those tests going on, and there's there, just in New York City alone, there were 2.1 million folks that were tested uh, and shown to have the antibodies. In other words, 2.1 million had the virus and never knew they had the virus. Are they putting those totals on new cases, or are they putting them under cures, or what are they doing? Because we're going to see spikes going up all over the place because of these testings and, and uh, the government's not making it clear to anybody, what tests are they talking about? You know, when they get out there and explain it, you know, they stick it up your nostril to see if you have it. 
but that doesn't tell you whether or not you have the antibodies. You actually got to have blood work to have that determined. So in the case of the swab going up the nose, I'm a new case. Well, what about the old cases? Are they going to put them in the cure position or because they just found out about it now that this guy had the virus four, four months ago, where are they going to categorize that? Because you're going to find out the population is far greater than what most people think out there that already had this virus. So I would suggest to anybody that had the symptoms like you or I, uh, uh, Leroy and, and Jeff, I remember him being deathly sick there for several days, coughing and hacking, could hardly talk. Uh, I recommend going getting that test uh, and, and uh, see see whether you had it or not. See if you have the antibodies. They're out there. There's two of them in the Youngstown area, one in Cortland and one in on Belmont Avenue, uh, uh up there across from, I think it's across from, oh, right right next to your old stomping grounds there. Uh, what's the name of the street? I, mean, I can't even think of it. Liberty. Liberty. Liberty? In Liberty. Churchill Hubbard. Yeah. Churchill Hubbard Road. No, it's down the road. Remember where the Treasure, Treasure Island was? Not on that side of the road, across the street from it. Almost directly across oh, from the McDonald's there where the uh, new Walmart's at. It's just south of, in there. Uh, the Goldie Road. Goldie Road was south of Liberty Plaza, and there then it's Colonial. Yeah. Uh, so it's right there. Goldie right was of Gold. Goldie Road. Goldie Road. Liberty, yeah. Belmont uh, and Goldie Road somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. By the Liberty Plaza, yeah. the old Liberty Plaza. So. Yeah. Uh, People are getting uh, my, in. My sense, yeah. 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 My sense, Tom, is if there's these places are around. Uh, I you know they sometimes you see them advertised you know uh, I think Sparrow Hospital is starting to have some of those they've said they're going to start doing some of that testing uh, that's our local one or one of the local ones here in Lansing, Michigan and uh, we'll have that up and running but everybody's kind of having that now as you test positive uh, if you do or if you had it and, and and you have the antibodies you go in as uh, a new case. Is my understanding, but I just saw a doctor uh, video out there saying that even those added to the numbers that are going on are nominal compared to the actual incoming new cases. Uh, so yes, part of the spike that you're you're seeing is because people who had it months ago and now have the antibodies are coming in as a new case and being resolved almost immediately is, is recovered, my understanding. But uh, that's still nominal compared to the, the actual new cases where people are, are coming in and, and a new case that's currently sick. Uh, so that's my understanding of that. So uh, let's, let's uh, try and, you know, there, there's some real interesting, I, I uh, watched some um, charting uh, from uh, Tilson, uh, this, this analyst called Tilson, and he's, he's they've been charting all of the uh, COVID results, and they have pretty good charts on them. And New York has really come down a long ways, and New Jersey's come down a long ways, and the rest of the nation is uh, uh, it, it was it went up, then it's flat, and the rest of the nation is going up now. Uh, so let's not be too cavalier about 
you know, trying to, uh, you know, physically distance from someone. That's what uh, Debbie Dingle likes to say, physically distance instead of socially distancing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So let's, you know, we want to be friends with everybody. Let's just physically distance. And and also let's wear, you know, uh, protective equipment. If you're in your car, you know your car is clean, you're clean. You don't worry about it. But you get out of the car and you're going into the store or whatever, you know. But I want to I want to just say another thing about the the uh, essential workers, and these are your grocery store attendants, the pharmacies, the bankers. A lot of the bankers are pretty much sequestered in the in the bank or at home. You know, I've, I've a member of several credit unions, and they're all over the place. You know, some of them home, some of them in the, in the were home and now they're back in the bank, but you can't get in the bank yourself. Uh, lots of lots of things going on uh, with the with the uh, facilities, but they are doing a real service for us. I thank them every time that anybody waits on me. That's in the retail service industry, grocery or not. And many times, you know, when I see the Speedway attendant that's making two fifty a week. And their peers got laid off because they got less seniority or making two fifty in unemployment and then six hundred. So they're making three times what they're making while they're working. And they're, you know, a little pissed. They wait on us with a smile all the time. And oftentimes they'll pull out a five dollar bill and slide it under the little plexiglass to them and say, That's for you for working. You're in a high risk job. And if you have it in you and you have the wherewithal, especially if you're gone back to work now and you've collected pretty good unemployment, now you're going to get the overtime. When they wait on you, consider being gracious to them and give them a little $5 bill. I'm not saying you have to. I'm doing it. I don't do it all the time. But God bless each and every one of those people that are waiting on us to make sure we have food and that we can fix anything in our homes that we need to. You know, we can get our pharmacy things that we need. Whatever is needed, they've been there the whole time working, sometimes without protection. No face mask, no plexiglass. When this started, they were at risk, and numbers of them got it, and some died. It's slowed down, but it it's apt to pick up. So let's everybody be nice to one another, respect one another, be gracious and magnanimous to those who wait on you, even at the local convenience store. Think about giving them a dollar, a silver change, and just tell them it's yours. This doesn't go into some other little container for, for charity. It's yours because it's a high-risk job, and we have to respect it. Thank you for every one of those people. Everybody going back to work, thank you for restarting the economy, but be very careful, very careful. This is a very dangerous time in our history, and it's unique to history. And this return to work, is going to be one of the biggest things in labor, not in centuries, ever. Be careful. 
be safe in there, too. Having said all of that, uh, have a good night. Uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, next week's a holiday, so we won't see you next week. Next week's Memorial Day, so we're going to take that off. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll see you the following week. Stay safe. If we need to have a show, we'll do that. Uh, we're going to encourage everybody to continue to work on that ultraviolet stuff because that's, that's one of the keys to this. It's one of the facets. No one thing is going to control it, but it's one of them that we'd like to see in use. So, uh, Thank you. Good night, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Good night, Jeff. Good night, Tom. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, Libra. Good night, listeners.